Hello and welcome to the Motivation for Regular People podcast. People tend to think about motivation as something that some people have and others don't. The truth is that we all have the same amount of motivation because motivation plays a role in every decision that we make and every action we take. This means that you already have all the motivation you need to accomplish your goals. The only thing standing in your way is a deeper awareness of how motivation actually works and what truly motivates you. I hope this podcast helps you discover and utilize the motivation you've always had inside you. Now, let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Motivation for Regular People podcast. We are so glad that you are here. The goal of this podcast is to help you recognize that motivation is not something that some people have and others don't, but it's something that we all possess and that we can all utilize to its fullest potential as we come to this place where we better understand how motivation actually works and what truly motivates us. So in case you missed last week's podcast or in case you're new to the show, let me give you a brief recap of where we are and what we're doing. So if you are a longtime listener of this show, you know that we traditionally have guests come on and do interviews and we're taking a break from that. Instead, I'm beginning a new series on a topic that is very important to me and something that I think more people need to recognize and take advantage of in their own life. And it's this idea that there are things that we can control, there are things that we can't control, and there's this space in between the two where so much tremendous growth and development happens. I call this area the beautiful, messy middle. And the way that I approach this area is with this idea that we may not be able to control everything in life, but we can control our attitude and our response. And that's where so much amazing growth and transformation happens. So we're calling this series, It's Up to You. We're going to discuss how we can maximize the areas of our life that we can control and develop the right perspective about the areas that we can't control. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, I would definitely encourage you to go back, tune in. In that episode, I talk a little bit about what's been going through my mind in regards to this topic and why I felt like this was the right time and the right space to address it here. Today, we're going to start the first movement, if you will, of this series by talking about things that we can control. And specifically for today's episode, we're going to talk about how we can control our routines. Now, I know for some people, this probably doesn't sound like a very interesting topic. You may hear the word routine and think about something that is repetitive or ritualistic, but really that's not what routines are about. To me, creating a routine is all about demystifying the process of many of the things that we do on a regular basis and eliminating the need to make unique decisions each time. I believe that by developing solid routines, you can better lock in good habits and eliminate much of the mental stress that comes from reacting or responding to every single issue in real time. Now, obviously, you won't be able to create a routine for everything. There are situations that come up that are unplanned or unexpected, and they require some level of real-time wisdom and discernment. That said, we can have routines in many of the areas of our lives, and we're going to talk about several of them today. The outcome that we're 
we're looking for here is we want to ensure some level of predictability in both our processes and our outcomes. Routines help us take some of the randomness out of life so that we're able to lock in both good practices and good results. We're able to forecast what kinds of situations, what kinds of opportunities we may find ourselves in and how we will respond in those moments so that we can get the maximum amount of value and impact from each of them. Routines also make our days less ambiguous. Rather than having just a general idea of what we want to accomplish and hoping for the best while also leaving a great deal up to chance, Routines allow us to walk the path of taking our goals and aspirations and making them a concrete reality. So what does this look like in my life? I have several different types of routines, and I think as you dig deeper into this topic, you'll realize that you have several types of routines as well. And routines can be triggered by different external things. Sometimes, as we'll talk about, routines are triggered by certain times of day. Other times a routine will be triggered by a certain situation or a certain emotion and hopefully as you think about a routine being triggered by a situation or an emotion, you'll realize how you can better respond to situations, even difficult and challenging situations by thinking in advance about what sort of routine you may bring with you into that moment. So I want to talk about a few of my routines and this is by no means meant to be prescriptive. I'm not saying that my routine should be your routine or if you don't have the same routines that I have, you're not doing routines right. These are simply meant to be examples of what routines can look like. And then you can decide what you want to take from what I'm sharing that is helpful and what you don't want to touch with a nine foot pole because you think I'm crazy. But I'll explain where I'm going with this and you can make that decision for yourself. So on a typical day, I have a few routines. One of my most important routines is my morning routine. So in my life, I wake up pretty early. I'm almost embarrassed to share how early, but again, it's not about everybody needing to wake up early. It's about what I've learned works for me. So I wake up early. After I wake up, I'll get dressed. I'll go to the gym. Some days I lift weights. Other days I run. There's another routine that I have, my workout routine. It's set up on a week-by-week basis. So I'll go to the gym. Once I get home, I'll make a protein shake. I'll get a little bit of coffee. I've been really into cold brew lately. I've been brewing my own cold brew at home, but you have whatever morning drink you would like. And I'll get my coffee and my protein shake and I'll sit down with my journal. Usually the first thing that I do is I write out a few wins from the previous day. I write down a few things that I'm thankful for, and then I'll end with reflecting on a few growth opportunities from the previous day. And that's an important balance for me to strike. I try to not just write down things that I did well or things that I could have done better, but I try to get a few examples from both categories down as I'm writing. After I finish journaling, I'll usually spend a few minutes reading a chapter of whatever book I'm working through at the moment. So last week I finished a book called Give and Take by Adam Grant. Fantastic book, especially if you're in the world of sales or networking. I think it's very helpful for those of us that do those types of things. Now I'm actually reading a book on theology that my neighbor wrote and published about five years ago. So it's been fun to get to have conversations with him about that. Once I finish reading, I'll plan out my day. I'll go through my entire calendar. Usually my days are a good mix of meetings and then some creative work, things like writing this podcast, or maybe I'm writing for a client. I'll make sure as I plan out my day that 
I've got everything prepared for my meetings, or if I don't have it prepared quite yet, I'll make sure I have time set aside during the day to prepare for it. And then around seven o'clock, I'll start working on whatever my first task of the day is. So that's my morning routine in a nutshell, but that's only possible because of the routine that happens before, and that is my evening routine. If you've read my first book, Seven Steps to Dominate Your Day and Crush Your Goals, you've heard me talk pretty extensively about my evening routine. Again, this one is definitely not for everybody. It's pretty extensive, but doing these things helps me shut down, mentally relax, and prepare to start fresh and hit the ground running the next day. So here are a few things that I do every night. And when I say every night, I do mean every night. I'm talking weekdays, weekends, maybe not all holidays, but more often than not, these are things that I do consistently every night. So I will set out my clothes for the following morning, whether I'm going to the gym or whether I'm staying home with family. I don't want to have to get up and go through my dresser drawers to figure out what I'm going to wear. I just want to be able to walk into the bathroom after I wake up and put clothes on. I'll fill up my gallon water bottle for the next day. I try to drink a gallon a day. Yes, in case you're wondering, I do spend a lot of time in the bathroom, but I also feel a lot more energy because of the amount of water that I drink. So it's an important part of my routine. I'll set three goals for the following day. Now this is one that I want to talk a little bit about. And again, if you've read seven steps, I break this down there, but in case you haven't read the book, let me talk about what is important about these three goals. So these three goals are three things that are important, but may or may not happen if just left up to chance. So for example, Attending a coaching session, that's not a goal. That's in my calendar. There is a commitment to the other person. I am going to do that whether or not I set a goal, so it doesn't need to be a goal. A better example of a goal would be if I have some sort of content goal that I'm trying to get to, if I'm trying to finish a podcast episode, for example, or if I'm trying to write a chapter of a project for a client. Those are easy things to move around on my schedule or put off for the future because unless there is a hard and fast deadline that I've agreed to with somebody else, it's way too easy for me to relax on those commitments. And maybe you do that a day or two days and it's not a big deal, but if you do that consistently and then you get to a point where you've got a day or you've got a couple of days to produce a massive amount of content, obviously that's going to be a problem. So these three goals for me offer a sense of personal accountability that I may not have otherwise. I set three goals every day. I track how many of my goals that I hit. And then at the end of the month, I will go back and see how many goals from the course of the past month I have reached. I'll peel back the curtain a little bit and tell you that I'm recording this on the last day of January. So there are 31 days in January, which means that I had 93 goals from this past month. And when all's said and done, I'm gonna hit either 74 or 75 of them, which is pretty good. It's around 80%, but I'm already feeling this sort of internal challenge with myself thinking about trying to hit more during the month of February. Obviously, February is 28 days compared to 31 in January, so it's going to be harder to exceed the number of goals that I hit in January for that reason, but maybe I'll base it on the percentage instead of the overall number. So anyway, setting three goals a day is important for me. I'll plan dinner for the next day. That prevents us from spending too much money on 
eating out or trying to go through the fridge at the last minute and figure out what to make. I like having those plans set. I feel like it makes the day run smoother for our whole family. I will straighten up the house. This isn't a full deep clean. I'm not scrubbing toilets or anything like that, but I am a little OCD and I believe that everything has a place. I don't like clutter. And when I wake up in the morning to start my day and I walk into a clean house, a clean living room, I feel more focused on what I need to accomplish for that day. So that's important to me. And then one of the last things that I'll do, I'll make sure that I've finished logging my calories. That's a big one for me. I'll respond to any text messages that I haven't had a chance to respond to yet. And this again is a little weird, but I will balance our budget. And since I do this every night, there's normally not more than three or four things that I need to log from our bank account. But this is important to me just to be very proactive about how we manage our money. All right. Is that a lot? Yes, absolutely. And like I said, when I first started talking about it, I know that this approach is probably not for everybody. But because I do these things every day, the following day runs so much smoother. I don't have to wake up and worry about what I'm going to wear because I decided that already. I don't have to worry about if I'm going to have my water bottle ready to go because I have filled it up the night before and it's sitting by the door, or it's sitting by my desk ready for me the next day. My environment's perfectly primed for my morning journaling, my morning reading, my morning exercise, where if it wasn't, it would be way easier for me to just stay in bed and skip all of those things that are important for me to do. I believe that good mornings begin with good evenings, and I take this really seriously in my own life. Okay, so that's just one example of a routine. We've talked about morning routines and we've talked about evening routines. Both of those routines are dictated by the specific time of day. You can also have routines that are dictated by specific situations. If you think about this from a business perspective, this might be your standard operating procedures. So for example, you have a new client who's interested in doing business with you. And rather than having to figure out on the fly, how do you onboard a new client? How do you set up contracting, first payment, all of those things? You have a predefined list of steps, list of regulations that every client follows through. And it streamlines that process so that you're not having to reinvent the wheel every time. Another example of this might be if you are a parent with school-age children and you have somebody at the school ask if you will volunteer in some capacity. They want to know if you'll bring cookies for the Valentine's Day party or they want to know if you will coordinate some element of a school party or an awards dinner or something like that. And rather than in the moment having to decide, will I say yes, will I say no, maybe you say, actually, we have a routine for how we make these types of decisions in our family. Maybe it's a family meeting. Maybe it's waiting 24 hours to make a decision. You don't have to spell out your entire process of making that decision. But if you have some sort of plan for how you will approach that opportunity, then you don't have to decide in real time every time how you are going to decide. You'll have a more well-defined process for how you make the best possible decision in those situations. The last routine that I want to talk about is it's similar to situations, but I think it's a little more random and in some ways maybe even higher stakes. So the last routine that I want to talk about is a routine for dealing with a particular feeling. I think that feelings are data. I think that they can tell us something that we may not know otherwise, 
but I think that our feelings can also get out of control when left unchecked, and they may not always paint a fully accurate picture of a situation. With this one, I'm actually gonna peel back the curtain a little bit. So recently, I, I've had a lot going on, as I'm sure if you're listening to a podcast on motivation, you're probably also a high performer. You're somebody who has a lot of responsibilities and obligations, and this is very true for my life as well. And so as those feelings of overwhelm start to creep in, it's very easy to feel a lot of that stress on a daily basis and it's taken a little bit of a toll on me I I wouldn't say that I'm in like an urgent or a desperate situation by any means but definitely feeling like I'm in a busy season and I've been working through some of these steps with my counselor about creating a sort of filter to pass my thoughts through so that they don't have a chance to run out of control so I'll get very practical in terms of what this looks like for me I have a thought about something that stresses me out. I have a thought about something that I need to do and it seems difficult or challenging. And I have these different filters of sorts that I make these thoughts respond to. The first one is faith. Maybe you're a person of faith, maybe you're not. But for me, faith has always been an important part of my life. And when I don't lean into my faith, my expectation is that I have to control everything on my own. And that's when those feelings of stress can get a lot worse because you are fully 100% responsible for resolving everything and preventing it from getting out of control. So I make these negative feelings respond to a faith-based perspective. From there, I go into a perspective of optimism. I feel like I used to be a lot more optimistic when I was younger. That's something that has maybe decreased a little bit in recent years and I'm trying to get it back. So if I experience a feeling that stresses me out, I first make it go through that faith perspective. I then make it go through that optimistic perspective. I then make it go through a courageous or a confidence perspective. And I love what Mark Manson says about confidence. He says that confidence is not the belief that you have everything figured out, but it's the assurance that things will be okay even if you do make a mistake. I feel like that's important for us to acknowledge. I also love this idea of courage. So to me, when I think about courage, courage tells me that I can respond to a situation and I can bring my best to that situation, even if I'm not 100% certain that the outcome is going to be positive. And I like framing things this way because it acknowledges that there may be some sort of danger lurking around the corner. But in bringing in that confidence, I have what it takes to approach that situation. It might hurt me a little bit, but it's not going to completely destroy me. And obviously we're talking very ambiguously here. I know that there are people who are listening that have way greater issues and trials to face in their life than I do. But that courage perspective is something that is very important to me. And then the last measure I make these thoughts pass through is a perspective of flexibility. I want to be a person that is not locked into one particular way of doing things. I don't want to be the kind of person that says it's my way or the highway. I want to adopt a spirit of flexibility to where I can be 
agile, I can adapt quickly even when things don't go according to plan. So that's just one example for a situation that is prevalent in my life right now. You can rework this sort of framework to apply for the feelings that you experience on a regular basis by thinking through what the best possible outcome is in terms of your response to that feeling and how you can systematize it into a routine so you're not having to make these decisions every time in real time. Obviously that takes more time. It can become stressful. It can become a little more unpredictable in terms of getting the outcome that you desire. And it's something that I feel like has been really helpful in my life. So as we wrap up, quick review, three types of routines. You have the routines that are triggered by certain points in time. Maybe it's a morning routine. Maybe it's an evening routine. I have some other weekly routines. I like to plan my week on Friday and then evaluate the week on Saturday. And that might seem backwards to some people, but for me, it enables me to think about what the next week should look like and then go back, do my weekly evaluation. And rather than creating a plan from scratch, I'm able to make adaptations to the plan based on what I learned from my weekly evaluation. Again, that's not the only way to do it, but it's just a way that I found helpful for me. So anyways, you have routines based on points in time. You have routines based on situations. You can think about these like standard operating procedures in a business. And then you have routines based on feelings. And I feel like that one is probably the least familiar of the three that we've talked about on this episode today, but it's one that I think can be really impactful and high leverage for those of us, especially that juggle a lot of responsibilities and have a lot of unpredictability or stress in our lives. Hopefully this was helpful. We'll be back next week to continue the conversation about what we can control in our lives. And I look forward to working my way through the rest of this series with you. Thanks for tuning in today. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, I would definitely appreciate it if you would do so. We release a new episode every Thursday and in the future, we'll hopefully have a few bonus episodes mixed in throughout the week as well. Remember, you already have all the motivation you need to reach your goals and it's up to you to decide what you'll do with it. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Recently, I was feeling overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities I was juggling in my work and personal life. I signed up for BetterHelp and scheduled my first online therapy session. To be honest, I was a little nervous about meeting with a therapist online, but I was matched with a great therapist who offered me a fantastic experience. She helped me tremendously in our first session, and I noticed an instant difference in my mental health. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can also message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions whenever it's convenient for you. If you're matched with a therapist who isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, you also get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price, especially when you get 10% off your first month by signing up at betterhelp.com mfrp. That's betterhelp.com mfrp. Check it out and sign up today.